And so that's when one day our CEO, Steve Ritchie, turned to me in a meeting and said, here's a white sheet of paper. This is the job description, right? You're going into this role. You tell us what to do. Wow. I was terrified, terrified, but... (laughs) Luckily, I had made many allies, and I always say this work takes a village. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. First-hand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, I cannot believe that we are starting to kick off the holiday season, which means it's almost the end of the year, and we've got an amazing guest with us today. It is Victoria Russell, who is the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Beam Suntory. But before we bring Victoria on, let's talk a little bit about your word bank of brand attribute words that help drive you forward. Now, you know I am always talking about these great supersized words, but your supersized words are just your way to create that unique identifier of who you are, right? You know I have big supersized words like I'm Hollywood and I'm a super connector and I'm a storyteller and a showman and an advocate and a first mover and a jet setter. But it's important to get all of the words behind that. So for example, I say that I am a showman, which includes being dynamic, energetic, fun, and exciting, right? I want to create a whole set of words behind my supersized words that help me in my marketing. Well, guess what? It's the end of the year, so it's time for a little bit of marketing because we are all doing our annual performance review self-evaluations and preparing for our end-of-year conversation. So now's the time to double down on those great supersized words as well as the includes words so that you can populate your entire performance evaluation with words that reflect your brand. Now, of course, we always have the flip. So while I might be a showman who is dynamic, fun, and engaging, I also want to identify my and never words. Now, make sure when you come up with your and never words, those are not simply a flip of your supersized words. No, instead, they are what happens when you put too much energy, too much volume into those words. So I might say, I am a showman, but I'm never a braggart. 
I am a showman, but I am never a used car salesperson. I am a showman, but I'm never fake or shallow. If I put too much energy in with some people, they might perceive my supersized brand tailwinds as actual headwinds as defined in those nevers. So you always want to think, what is the fine line and how are you going to modulate to make sure it is the right behavior at the right time with the right level of intensity? Well, I am super thrilled about today's guest. It is Victoria Russell, the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Beam Suntory. Now, Victoria joined Beam Suntory, a world leader in premium spirits, back in January of 2021. In this newly created role, she's joining the company's senior leadership team and leads diversity and inclusion across talent acquisition, career development, employee retention, marketing, community community relations, and building organizational capability to better recognize bias and further drive inclusive mindsets. Victoria also supports the development of diversity guidelines for the company's supplier base and champions employee impact groups and leaders across the business. Now, I met Victoria before she was at Beam Suntory, where she was at Papa John's International and had an amazing, successful 14-year career. In fact, during one of the most difficult times in Papa John's history, she became the first person to lead diversity, equity, and inclusion there in 2018. She is credited with step-changing the company's actions to build a diverse, equitable, and inclusive organization with over 120,000 team members. She previously held a variety of marketing analytics, compensation, and human resources roles at Papa John's, Lexmark, Humana, and Brown Foreman. We'll be back in just a couple of moments with Victoria Russell. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back with our fabulous guest for today. It is Victoria Russell, who is the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Beam Suntory. Victoria, what's going on? Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here and talk to everyone today. Well, I've been dying to have you on the show, Victoria. So first off, tell me what is new and exciting and happening at Beam Suntory. Well, I'll start back since we last met. I'm actually have moved organizations uh, with Beam Centauri now. I'll be celebrating my two year anniversary with the company in January. So I cannot believe time flies. Time has gone so fast. I absolutely love it. What better industry, right, to work in than in the spirits industry? Um, we always say we inspire human connection. So it's really the most fun uh, space to work in. So I'm uh, having a blast doing a lot of great work, um, a lot of work within analytics to really understand our people data. So that's been uh, an interesting yet challenging journey at times, right? But I am big on uh, fact, not feeling, right, in this space. Ooh. So I think bringing the data really helps kind of get organizations unstuck from all the feelings and opinions and everything that seems to come into this space. So while I'm a very empathetic person and 
you know, my passion really drives me in this space. I think the data um, really helps to close that gap of creating the action plan of what we need to do and how to prioritize. Yeah. And Victoria, I know that you are someone that is so active out in the community. You're active out with your employee communities um, at, at Beam Suntory. Tell me, when you first meet someone, how do you explain to them who you are and what it is that you do as a chief diversity officer? You know, actually, when I first meet someone, I just like to get to know them. I think a lot of times mm. in this space, people jump right in. What do you do? Let's talk about DNI. I feel like diversity and inclusion is something you experience, right? And I think mm. that's the best way to kind of bring people along and then letting them get to know me. You know, do I know everything and have all the answers? No, no one does, right? So I'm still on my own journey. So I really try to kind of share where I'm vulnerable, where I have opportunities to learn and grow, that it is a journey that you're, it's not me kind of preaching at you and policing you. I think that's a lot of times the the stigma the space gets, so actually just spend time getting to know the person and, and getting to know who you are. And through getting to know me, you understand either how I came to this space, why it's so important to me, and what the work actually is. I think it's very relationship-centric for sure. Yeah. And so, Victoria, let's talk a little bit about your journey because you have been in this space for a long time, right? Now, tell me, um, how did you first get into uh, diversity and inclusion work in the first place? You know, I think I got in it very similarly to how a lot of people uh, enter this space or how they want to get into the space. So I was at Papa John's. I'd been there uh, about 12 years at that point. And the company went through a very challenging time, right, in its history um, with the founder, unfortunate comments, right, that were made. And so the company set up its first uh, diversity and inclusion committee. I joined the committee, really passionate in the space, um, and then eventually became uh, head of the committee and then moved into the work. And I think the way that mm. happened um, I was kind of the closest one, right, internally that knew what was going on. I knew the people. I was connected to the organization. Um, so I had empathy for what was happening, but also a voice of I had been very honest with leaders in the company uh, up to when I moved into the role on things that were happening, things I liked, didn't like, things that we had areas of opportunity where we needed to be vulnerable and honest and transparent, not just externally, right, in the midst of a crisis, but internally with our employees as well, right? And just owning it, uh, what we needed to, to fix. And so that's when one day our CEO, Steve Ritchie, turned to me in a meeting and said, here's a white sheet of paper. This is the job description, right? You're going into this role. You tell us what to do. Wow. I was terrified, terrified. But <laughs> luckily I had made many allies and I always say this work takes a village. So I'm really lucky to have had um, mentors and role models sitting in various other organizations uh, within Louisville, where we were headquartered, um, but really all across the country. So, you know, my mom, one big thing she always taught me, you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to know where to go find them. So yeah. seeking that input from others in the space who had been in a long time always said to me, when they offer you this job, the answer is yes. And I remember I kept saying, no, 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 I'm not qualified. I just care. You know, I don't know enough. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. They kept saying, nope, when they offer you this job, the answer is yes. And then that day came and I was like, yes, and I'll figure it out. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I know what I know and I'm going to figure out the rest. So, yes. I mean, Victoria, this was a huge career breakthrough for you, right? I mean, mm -hmm. really moving from you had really been in marketing and compensation type of roles before. But but talk to me because it feels like I hear this from folks all of the time, right? That they're in a position like you are where 
they're bringing their expertise to the table, but they see or feel things that are like not right at their organization, right? And and they kind of are like, well, uh, I don't know. I don't want to make waves. Talk to me about how in that situation, when obviously there were some explicit things that happened, but those aren't the only things that you had observed, right? Correct. Uh, prior to that, what was going on and, and what made you successful in advocating and influencing there that they were like, ta-da, you write down what this rule is. (laughs) You know, I think one thing you just said, you know, I don't want to make waves. Then you can't be in this work. Um, One of my mentors said to me early on, this role is an agitator and a disruptor. And you have to be comfortable with saying what you think, saying what you feel. Obviously, you want to be as objective as possible, which is why I think data is so critical in this space because People, it's hard to argue about facts. It's hard to argue about the data. It's easy to get kind of lost in how people feel, what people think, what they say. But if you can pull the data, it brings people, it grounds people, right, for the conversation. So I think that's really helpful. Um, And, you know, I knew I didn't know everything. And it was kind of on me to go figure it out. And so I spent a lot of time with a lot of uh, experts in the space. And folks had done it a very long time. And so being able to pull from that wisdom um, and own what I don't know, which makes people a lot more open to sharing with you and, and helping you <laughs> along the journey. Um, and so I think there's some natural gifts and talents that I think I have that have helped me be successful in this work, leading through influence, uh, not authority, right? So a lot of times people want to tell you what to do. That is not the space. It's bringing people along, meeting them where they are, um, being empathetic that, no, I think a lot of times people get in this work and they expect you should just know it. Leaders should just know it. People don't just know it, right? And it's your role to help bring them along and figure out where they have areas of opportunity, where they're able to lean in and draw that out of them. And I think, you know, that's definitely been very helpful. My background, I think, in HR and in marketing has really helped in this space and analytics as well. Uh, So me kind of seeking data has always been a part of the work I've done. But bringing that forward has really re-steered many conversations, whether at my time at Papa John's or, or here at Beam Centauri, once you bring the fact, you know, it really helps to accelerate the work and it helps you yeah. prioritize where you're going to start, what's most important, where are the greatest disparities, where's the greatest bias, right, to start there. Um, and then you don't have to explain as much of the why, right? Yeah, yeah. And so... That was a huge career breakthrough for you. Talk Mm -hmm. to me a little bit before that. What were some of the other career breakthroughs? And I'm so interested to know how someone could be a marketer and an HR person, because that's kind of right at the intersection of what Lead With Your Brand's all about. Yeah. You know, I think just being open to change. So in my younger years in college, I was the type of person I knew what I wanted. I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon, actually. Had my whole career mapped out, planned school, and then started getting into it and was like, oh, I don't think I want to stay in school this long. I don't think I, I don't know if I want to do this. Right. And so being <laughs> open to pivot. So I decided going into college, I was like, I'll major in uh, business. I, I thought I would pick something fairly generic and, and hope to figure it out pretty quickly. Um, eventually went into grad school. I was like, I'll get my master's, but I didn't have a plan yet. And I was terrified. Like, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> Took my first role um, working at Lexmark and marketing analytics. I thought I like this. I could do this. And then the next big opportunity happened to be in HR. And so, again, I am one that always seeks mentorship, right, and and sponsors kind of all around me. And so I remember talking to a lot of my mentors that take risk. Don't be afraid to say yes, right? I was so kind of, I had the plan. 
and anything that deviated from the plan got me off track. And I started just being open. And so, you know, first couple of years in HR is where we actually found my love of analytics and data. Had an opportunity to work with an actuary that was on the team at Humana. Um, mm. Learned so much from her. Um, I was actually married back then, divorced now, but planned my whole wedding in an access database is how I learned, <laughs> you know, building out if-then statements and all these queries. And Weddings by an actuary. I love exactly. it. Exactly. I learned so much. And then I kept saying, I want to get back into marketing. I think that's where my passion is. So I spent several years in compensation at Humana and then Brown Foreman and then Opportunity Papa John's opened in marketing. So I went there, but still in analytics. So I found, especially that skill set of, of data and insights is everywhere, which was definitely transferable, but learn more about marketing and competitive analysis and, you know, so much there. And I was just open along the journey to exploring something else. So then when things pivoted into the DNI space, the company was in a time of crisis. And I've always been a very um, socially connected person. So while in my, I always say my day job, everything was very data centric. My personality, very outgoing, extroverted. Um, I needed to find something I'll call my yay job. So I actually had dual careers, I'll say. So I was in analytics and marketing by day, but at night I was actually bartending and working for a catering company. And it was my way to have the social interaction with people. Who knew I'd end up back in the spirits side of the (laughs) world, right? And I learned so much on the bartending side, understanding how brands show up. Um, the role that the bartenders really play with connecting to your c- consumers and customers. I learned so much. And even dealing with where people would judge, you know, why would you take this role if you're in corporate? Why would you do this? I loved it. I love connecting yeah. with people. I love the work I did. And I made great money in tips. So don't get it wrong. <laughs> it was fantastic. But who knew that all of these skill sets would circle back around to being really valuable? So understanding while I was at Papa John's, our frontline employee and what that was like being in the store and front facing and dealing with consumers that were mad at the company, right? Like yeah. what that experience is like. I had direct knowledge of literally five minutes ago. That's what I was also doing, right? Or doing at the same time. And so it just grew who I am as a person. Um, yeah. And I never felt any kind of way about why I was doing it. I loved it. I love connecting. And the only reason I stopped bartending is my day job became, you know, a lot more time consuming, but it expanded my understanding of people, relationships, how to influence and understanding all the levels of employees in an organization because I played all the roles. So yeah. I, I thought that was really impactful for my journey. So then when this opportunity and I came up again, I don't know enough. I don't have the experience. And again, having really solid mentors that pour into you is so important. One of my, um, Mentor said to me, look, Victoria, you absolutely can do the job. And he pulled an article from Diversity Best Practices, Inc. that laid out what are the skill sets uh, needed for a diversity officer. And it was exactly my background. It was either HR, marketing, <laughs> or legal. I was like, check, check. Uh, insights, like just some of your empathy, your, your passion for the work. And I was like, I can do this. And sometimes it takes a great leader telling you, you can do it right? To yeah. believe in yourself versus doubting and second guessing. And so I'm really lucky to have had so many people that really helped contribute to that along the way. Yeah. And Victoria, I love that it is almost like 
you were able to get over that self-limiting belief by looking at your own data, right? Like when you looked at what those success factors were, you were like, I've got all of those and now I can combine my day job and my yay job, right? Like all in one. This This is what I was built for. (laughs) And so, yeah, but having the facts to show this is what this role entails. And I was like, oh, I got this. But really believing in yourself and knowing you can and and asking for help when you need it. You know, I knew I didn't know everything. And I had great mentors, at, even at some of our competitors. I think I found in the DNI space, it's not about the competition. So, for example, one of my mentors was James Fripp at Young Brand, so Pizza Hut. And we would say it's not about pizza, it's about people, right? Mm. And so he actually was a great mentor and ally to me in this space and was a direct competitor. But we actually believe that it was more important to f- focus on the people and not the politics or the pizza or the product, right? And so I see the same thing in the spirits industry. I have great connections with my fellow DNI, you know, champions at all of our our competitors. So I think that helps because we're we're prioritizing people and not the product. Yeah. And so Victoria, you've talked so much about the value of mentors and sponsors. People always ask me, you know, how do I crack the nut? How do I find the right people? How do I ask them? So tell me, what has been your kind of roadmap to success with mentors and sponsors? I think one is having a variety. So not just te- overtaxing one person to be Ooh. all the things that you need, right? And yeah. I look at life and people like a buffet and I actually enjoy buffets. <laughs> I love variety. But, <laughs> I <do too. laughs> but I look at it that way, like some of it you want and some of it you need and some of it you'll put back and being able to discern which is which. And so there's no one person that will be all the things that you think you want to be, right? Yeah. And even you might have put certain individuals on pedestals as you get to know them. You're like, hmm, I like this, but not that, right? And so yeah. having a variety of people that look like you, that don't look like you, older than you, younger than you, variety of experiences, backgrounds, there's something to be learned from everyone. And I even look at people who may seek me as a mentor. While they may first start off as a mentee, they actually become my mentor also, because there's something oh, wow. to learn from your mentees. So I have a two-way relationship with everyone, right, that I come into contact. So I think having that volume helps not overtax the one person to feel like they have to be everything to you. Making sure you're coming to them with, hey, I'm, I'm thinking through this or I'm working through that and not just. So my least favorite question is, tell me all about how you got here and as if that is your roadmap, right? Tell yeah, me about exactly. you first so I could understand, like, what is valuable maybe in my experience and maybe what isn't. Um, so that it's a, a mutual relationship and a two-way street uh, where we're both learning and growing from each other. Yeah. Now tell me about someone who's been, you know, one of your mentors or your sponsors that at first you were like, there's nothing I can get out of this person, but they've really turned into someone that's been a valuable member of your posse here. Yes. I would say he was my first boss at Papa John's, uh, Robert Thompson, white male, very different backgrounds, upbringing. And I just thought he was someone I worked for. Right. But over time, he would push and challenge me. Um, And early on, it was like I was the daughter he didn't have. And he poured into me in the same way. He was tough on me. He was critical. He would have, he would say, you know, the four walls of this office, we're going to get it out and have like knockdown, drag out arguments. And I'd go back to my desk and I would huff and puff because I was mad because Robert, (laughs) you know, (laughs) upset me that day. And he would come out. He always called me by my last name. He would come out of the office, Russell. Let's go get a slice of pizza. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm mad at you, you know? And he would say all the time, it's pepperoni. We're not saving lives, 
right? It's not that serious. <laughs> and I learned a lot of emotional intelligence working with Robert. What was important? What's not? Prioritizing things that matter to you, like your family, like your friends, like stuff outside of work. We're not saving lives. You know, same thing at Beam Satori. You know, we produce spirits, right? We're going to hopefully enhance the moments you have, right, with your friends and family, but we're not saving lives. It's not that serious. And so I've just chosen not to have so many swords to die on or hills to die over in my career because it's just, it's important, but it's not all of who I am. And so he's someone that I never knew I would kind of learn this from. And he, I reported to him for 10 years. We've remained great friends. He's still someone I go to. I, I seek his guidance, his kind of even level headedness. Like when I, when the world feels like it's swirling all around me, you know, Robert has a way of just dialing it all down to just, yeah. it's pepperoni, you know, it's, and I appreciate <laughs> that. It's helped, it's helped so much. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm jealous of your career because it's about two things I love, pizza and booze. Right. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Victoria, let's talk a little bit about uh, about you, because we've been talking about these great, iconic brands that you've worked for. But tell me a little bit about your brand as an executive. Give me three words that describe brand Victoria. Ooh, I was, I was prepared for one, but I'll give you three. So the first one, I would say authenticity. The mm. second would be courage. And the third would be empathy. Ooh, authenticity, courage, and empathy. So yes. talk to me about talk to me about authenticity because I feel like we throw that word around so much. What does it mean to be authentically Victoria Russell? So because of my career path, I'm accelerated very quickly from a senior manager to a vice president level at Papa John's moving into uh, chief of diversity. And so it was, I skipped some steps. Right. In the career path. And we were in such a crisis. It wasn't that the CEO who I reported to at the time could even help me with all the things I needed. So being strong enough to know, I don't know everything. I skipped some steps, being vulnerable and asking for help and being okay with that. I, you know, some say fake it till you make it. I don't want to fake it. I don't know. And I need help. Right. And people were more open to helping when you acknowledge, Hey, I don't know everything. I don't have it all figured out than to kind of profess and, you know, put on airs that you know everything when you don't, right? And so that just became who, it was already who I was, but it just really got reinforced that it's okay to be authentically me, whatever that is. So the other thing that gave me courage is that particularly in this role, if I'm trying to create an organization where employees can bring their full whole selves to work, I first have to bring my full whole self. Mm with whatever that means, right? How I dress, how I speak, how I carry myself. I just want to be me. I want the same person that my friends who knew me bartending, the same, I want to be the same person in a corporate executive role. Yeah. That there's no difference that I'm not showing up any differently. The same Victoria you see on social media is the same Victoria in the workplace, right? In any meeting. And so while yes, there's professional levels of, of yourself, but it's the same person. And I'm okay with that. And I, and I, being at a company that likes that about you too is really important. And one thing when I was being recruited by being my future lead boss, who uh, Paula Erickson is the uh, chief people officer, she leaned into a lot of what they saw of me kind of in social media or what's on my LinkedIn and like actually embraced who I am, not what they mm. want me to be. 
not the role they want me to play. And that was refreshing versus feeling like at times in your career where it's, they want you to fit a mold and be a certain person. And I didn't want to do that anymore. And so to work at a place that was like, no, we came looking for you because of who you are and what you bring to the table as your true self. I knew I could thrive in, right? So that made it very appealing and exciting to join this <laughs> yeah. organization. And I feel like I can stay true to that, right? Always. And so the other reason I said courage is being cur- courageous enough to bring your full whole self, right? Because there there can be backlash. There can be consequences and being okay with that. You know, one of my uh, mentors that I love, Bozema St. John, um, who's the former CMO at Netflix, I crossed paths with her during her time at Endeavor, she, that was our creative agency at Papa John's. But yeah. being around Bose, like she was who she is. Like it, love it, hate it. She's authentically herself in every setting and every moment, whether or not it has consequences. And I love that. And, and seeing that kind of show up in corporate settings, I had not seen before, to be honest. I was like, wow. Yeah. Like when I first met her, it's like she has a bright red lipstick and African print pants, and she's like six feet tall and hair down to her waist. And she was just who she is. And I was like, oh, and I, I think we're so, all of us are so used to covering or conforming or shaping some corporate mold that, and like, who came up with that of what we have to be? Why not break the mold? And, you know, Bose is one that gets hired for being Bose. And I thought, I want to be Victoria. And either you want me or you don't want me, and that's okay. You know, yeah. I, in the spirit space, I would say, I don't want to be everyone's cup of tea. I'd rather be somebody's shot of bourbon. Okay. is what <laughs> I would prefer to be. <laughs> Words to live by. <laughs> exactly. Like I would be preferred. I'd rather be preferred than just common and average. And, and then I said, you know, empathy, because that is really who I am. I am very sensitive to how things affect people, very in tune um, to, to just that human connection and, and I have the courage to advocate for the the most marginalized and have that voice. And I think that's where I really found my voice at Papa John's, that there was a lot of things happening that wasn't okay. And I was okay to say it. And, you know, some would say, are you scared you're going to get fired? I was like, I'm a really strong analyst. I will find a job anywhere. I'll be okay. <laughs> you know, and that's something my mom instilled in me. My mom actually passed away during that time at Papa John's, which was really hard, mm. but she left me so equipped to be strong and confident and self-assured, that was probably the greatest gift she could have left this earth by you know, giving me is that I'll be fine at the end of the day. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a very spiritual person, which is a part of my whole self. You can't fire me from a job that God has designed for me, right? Mm, and whatever yeah. path he has for me, I have full faith and trust in. And at the end of the day, I'm just trying to get into heaven, not the next job. Right. So yeah. that's part of where I think <laughs> my confidence comes from. I'm okay with, with being Victoria and wherever my steps are ordered and the path leads me, I'm happy to go there and serve. Yeah. So t- tell me a little bit more about your mom. When you were younger, what are some of the things that you saw her do that shaped that mindset for you, that gave you some of that courage and that empathy to be who you are? Yeah. So I have an identical twin sister. We both had the privilege of being in my mom's seventh grade science class. My mom was hard on us always. So I remember in school, we weren't (laughs) allowed to tell the other students she was our mother. She didn't want any kind of feeling of favoritism. But there were times my mom, like if you got in trouble in her class for talking, she would move your desk into the hallway. So I remember once, I don't know who was talking (laughs) to me or 
what I was doing. But my mom dragged my desk through the hall. And I was like, mom, I was so embarrassed. I was like, why would you do this to me? She's like, I'll treat you like everyone else. And she always did. Like, and she had the other teachers do the same. I got no special treatment in middle school. If anything, everybody was watching every movie made. And, and it was hard. But I look back and I'm really thankful. One other thing, great story. So when I was turning 16, my mom said, you know, I'm cutting you all off. You know, if you want to buy the next pair of Nikes you want or whatever it is, you have to pay for it. So she drove us up to an area, probably about 20 minutes walking distance, maybe 10 minutes walking from home, dropped us off in this shopping area and said, go find a job and don't come home till you do. And so my twin and I were like, what? (laughs) So I went to McDonald's, applied for a job, got hired. My sister went, it was called Revco at the time. Now CVS got hired and walked home. And then my mom was like, great. Now you can pay for everything else you need. And I was like, why do I have mommy dearest for a mother? But, you know, as as I've gone through life, I have actually really appreciate how hard she was on us because she made us really self-sufficient. I remember in college, I didn't want to come home one summer. I'd gotten a job on campus and I was going to be an RA and take classes and, and take summer school and get ahead which actually helped. I actually graduated in three years because I started taking my hardest classes in the summer, but my mom was mad. I didn't come home and then completely cut me off. (laughs) This was freshman year. They bought my twin sister a car to spite me. Like, so I have a lot of stories. That woman was tough, but I learned to be completely self-sufficient. Some serious mommy dearest. I mean, at least you didn't have those wire hangers. No wire hangers. (laughs) I probably did get a, a whooping from, Probably frequently, (laughs) but you know, my mom and my dad, but my mom really had a huge impact on who I became today. So just, you know, really tough on myself. I do strive for, you know, the best, but she also had a strong, strong empathy muscle and just compassion for people. And she was so giving. That's a big part of why I'm so involved in the community. My mom did a lot of community work and work with people that she never even talked about. There were things I didn't know about her until the funeral when people came through to share, you know, with the family. And was I was hearing all these stories of, oh, your mom did this or your mom did that or the things that how she meant to people. And I'm a big quote person. So, you know, when my Angela says it's not about, you know, what you say and what you do, it's how you make people feel. And hearing that and getting that lesson at my mom passed away when I was 37, hearing that so young and really helping me figure out what is the legacy I want to leave? And you don't wait to start till you're 60, right? Or when you're retired. Most people think about their legacy much later. I got that lesson at 37, that I want to be someone that people say, I did work that mattered and made a difference Mm. in people's lives, right? That's the legacy I want to leave. And I can start now, right? Doing that and being that champion and being an ambassador and an advocate um, for other people. And so that is the greatest lesson I think that she she definitely taught me and left, left with me. Wow, that's beautiful. So so talk to me a little bit about leaving that legacy, because to me, that's all, all about, you know, how are you bringing your authentic, courageous and empathetic self forward for people that are just now thinking, oh, I need to start thinking about my legacy. What recommendation do you have for them as a place to start? Yeah, I mean, I would start with how, what's how do you want to make people feel, you know, at your funeral? What do you want people to say? And one thing mm. that hit me, no one talked about my mom in terms of the house she lived in, the car she drove, any material things. It was all about the impact she had on their life. 
And so I thought to myself, you know, a lot of times we aspire for more money, higher title, which company, right? All these names that not a single soul mentioned, you know, at the funeral, even not even which school she worked at. Obviously the school they went to, but it was that she was a teacher. It's the role she played. And so for me, while I love where I work, I'm not tied to anywhere. I'm tied to driving impact for people, right? So I love Beam Suntory. I hope to stay there, you know, many more years to come, but I want a greater impact that transcends the workplace. So I don't want to become the brand. I want to be Victoria and I want to make sure there's a a delineation between who I am and who I work for, right? We are Mm. two separate entities. And a lot of times, especially if you're in a very visible role or a senior role, it's easy to get swept in to representing the company you work for versus being true to who you are. And hopefully it it represents well on the company you happen to work for. So I really focus on Victoria and the brand of Victoria in terms of making sure, you know, I'm involved in the community, which organizations in the community, am I doing my part to give back? Am I a servant leader? Right. And I want to make sure I'm well-rounded in that sense. Am I spending time with my friends and family? You know, I don't want to be all work. I think at my time at Papa John's and rightly so in the midst of a crisis, my whole day was work. My weekends was work. Everything I thought about was work, work, work. And I don't want to, I don't want that to be who Victoria is, right? I want to be well-rounded. I want to have interest and do fun things. I love to travel, you know? And so I'm just really making sure I take this advice from my older sister, Adrian, who talks about having a pie chart of your life that you don't have all, your whole pie is not one thing. It's not work, right? So what are the other slices of your pie that represents who you are? And are you tending to them appropriately? Yeah. Right. Are and never well letting fed, them get too right? big. Exactly. Exactly. Is a slice missing? Right. Like <laughs> in, in your in your life, right? And so are you making room? Because as you add slices, you might have to uh kind of make others smaller, right? And so how do you yeah. do that? And so that's something that kind of stays in my mind. And then lastly, again, it's something my sister helps me focus on being content wherever you are and yeah. not wishing away your life. Like I wish I was this. And you're, some people focus so much on the aspiration of what they want. They're not enjoying the moment of where they are, you know? And then last, I know it's one more thing. I get, I give credit to my older sister, but on a scale of one to 10, when you think about your emotional state and mental state, she focuses on staying between four and seven, not going too high, not going too low, not letting the pendulum swing with everything that's always going on, but just reacting somewhere between four and seven. Right. And so I actually focus how to stay there because I think I can tend to go from 10 to one, you know, in my younger years or nine to two. But I'm like, how to stay more even and balanced. And again, it's just pepperoni. It's just bourbon. I'm not saving lives. Right. But can I drive real impact that people feel, show up the best I can, do the best I can, but also have balance to who I am that I can actually enjoy the fruits of my labor. And it's not just work, work, work. And you wait to enjoy it at retirement. I'm going to enjoy it now, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I have a couple of fun questions for you uh, as we start to wrap, Victoria. So um, I'm going to split this into two because, one, I need to know what your favorite Beam Suntory brand is. Which which of your spirits do you love so I'll, I have to give you two. So, okay. and I, you know, I'm a spirits girl and I actually love and drink everything. But when I started, so this comes from my bartending days, I was in Paris with some friends and they were like, oh, you're the bartender of the group. What's a drink we should have? And I was like, I don't know. I actually was like cognac. 
right? Which is from this area. So I was like, let's do Cavassier cognac, one part, one part raspberry liqueur and a little lemon juice shaken up. And I call it the Victoria's Secret. I always name cocktails after Ah. myself. (laughs) I call it the Victoria's Secret. It's balanced. It's strong with the cognac, the lighter fruity, right? Kind of balances that where it's a little, it turns a little pink, my favorite color. And then the lemon, the citrus really balances the two. And then it looks really elegant served up right in a martini glass. So that is my, one of my go-to cocktails. I would say these days I'm really into Basil Hayden, which is under the Jim Beam, James C. Beam Distilling Co. umbrella. But I love the the different expressions like the Basil Hayden Toast right now is one of my new favorites. Um, And I love that just on one big rock and just something to sip on. So I love all of our brands, but those are my my go-tos right now. Ooh, I love that. Now, outside of Beam Suntory, what is your favorite brand as a consumer? What are you obsessed with? As a cocktail? No. uh, Oh, just as as a brand. uh, Yeah. Outside of the spirits arena. So you'll laugh. My favorite, it's my favorite luxury brand is actually Louis Vuitton because in the name, the V sits above the L and it's my initials of Victoria Lynn. (sighs) And so everything okay. I wear has my initials in it. So. <laughs> <laughs> like it's my personal brand and it's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> my personal luxury, uh, my personal luxury brand. Yeah, now, Victoria, if you were a type of car, what type of car would Victoria Russell be? That's a hard one. So I'm not a big car person, but my dad is, loves Corvettes. And I actually uh, saw one recently. I don't know all the fancy names. But probably a red convertible sports car. And I would lean kind of in the Corvette space. The other car that kind of speaks to me is a Tesla. I just love all the electronics. I'm very data driven. I love kind of that cutting edge, that sleek, sexy look. Um, I love the where the roof, the whole thing is glass. Like I forget what you call that, but love. So somewhere in between those two. But I probably would be as I get older, that that sports car, definitely a convertible, fast red. I think that's me. (laughs) Yeah. And finally, Victoria, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Say yes. Take Mm. those chances. When opportunities come that feel terrifying, lean in and say yes. Um, One of my mentors really pushed me on that. It was a female leader, female CEO. And I asked her kind of that same question. And she's like, you know, don't be afraid and just say yes. And then at some point you'll have to balance saying yes too much, which can happen. But early on, say yes and take those chances and take the the path that wasn't your planned path, wasn't what you thought it would be. Because who knows the experiences you'll gain that will round you out for the future roles that you might actually be interested in. A lot of my career paths, I did not choose marketing out the gate, right? I want to go into medicine. I didn't choose HR, right? That just happened to be what was available, right? I didn't choose analytics. I kind of stumbled into that. Didn't choose DNI. Um, didn't choose bartending. It just came up as an opportunity to make extra money and, and have fun and express my my social side. And all of that today has played a role in where I am. Um, but no one could have said this is the path, right? This is the steps you need to take. I had no idea. And look at me now, right? So, and then being content wherever you are, doing whatever you're doing, finding ways to enjoy that moment, I think is really important. Or you'll spend all your time wishing for the next thing and never enjoying the experience that you're in. Ooh, 
words to live by. Well, Victoria Russell, thank you so much for being on the show and bringing your courage and your empathy. You are definitely my shot of bourbon. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) It was great talking to you. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, what an amazing conversation with Victoria Russell, the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Beam Suntory. Victoria literally had so much great advice and so many great stories. But you know what? The big thing that I'm going to take away from her was this whole notion about thinking about what your legacy is. When you're starting to think about what legacy you want to leave, it can really help you back into your brand. Because Victoria really talked all about that legacy being the impact that you have on other people. So think for yourself right now, aside from titles, aside from money, and aside from things, what is the true impact that you are looking to have on people and the world? That is going to help you create your brand foundation, those declarative statements that say what you believe and why people should turn to you, and as Victoria noted, why maybe someone should not turn to you, as well as help you create your word bank of amazing brand attribute supersized words. All of those adjectives and descriptors all about the way you make people feel. Well, that's our show for today. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll deliver a brand new show and interview every single Tuesday. Check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms, and connect with me on LinkedIn so we can extend the conversation. Most importantly, always remember, in your career, Don't be that boring old commodity like coffee. Be that super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.